1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. You've been on the road this week, John, as we'll discuss later on today's show. But I took the rare step of leaving my house and interacting with humans <laughs> recently as well, uh, as I attended the Eagles home game against the Chiefs on Sunday. I had a good time. The weather was nice. The Eagles were defeated, but I only cared a little bit since all hope for this season was already lost. And I got to see Patrick Mahomes play in person for the first time. And on that front, John, I want you to rate my get off my lawnness on a one to 10 scale. Uh, I wrote in my weekly Tuesday lines column that I'm old enough to remember when forward laterals were illegal. What rating do I get as a grumpy old man for that?
0: Oh, I, I kind of like that. The shuttle pass thing. Um, I think you're, you're, Off to an excellent start here, Eric. And uh, now you got to kick the tires on my universal theory of more if you're ready. Okay. Okay. So back in the day, we got more 50 yard passing attempts, which are way more fun than, you know, those shovel passes I talked about. Um, We missed that baseball pitchers. We got more innings out of them, like a complete game, even, which is far more entertaining than seven rando relievers and basketball. We got more minutes and more games from the best players and hockey. we got more goals from those best players. We got more, more strategy in golf. You know, before today's, Bruisers have so overwhelmed the course that stress-filled shots for them are few and far between, and so on and so on. So we keep getting less and less of what we actually want from sports, which is a shame, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon.
1: I, I'll i join you on that hill, pretty much. I, I think yeah. I agree with, with most of that. And as long as we're talking about more, uh, I should also be a grumpy old man and complain yeah. about uh, all the people who don't know the difference between less and fewer, which is uh, uh, sort yeah, of a yeah. discussion <laughs> for another time. <laughs> but, uh, I, but this yeah. Mahomes uh, pass that he did, I'm not even sure if that qualified as a uh, as a shovel pass. That was like full yeah. on underhand. I don't know. Uh, they, they 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 need to. It's not the thing that bothers me most about it is. He doesn't need to do it. He's so good. He could have thrown that ball normally. I think he just does it because he can get away with it that uh that they're they're allowing him to kind of pitch the ball forward in whatever manner he wants. Uh, I don't know. I I, I,
0: I, saw, I see him doing it in so much traffic, though. I, I think that's like a disaster waiting to happen, so yeah, yeah. maybe that'll make you feel any better.
1: I don't know if it does. Yeah, in that one, it was it was definitely by design. It was like, let's wait for the play to develop one second, and then I'm just going to pitch it forward. Mm-hmm. But, like, the sidearm ones I kind of like, where he's using it to, like, get around a defender with the sidearm. That's kind of cool, but I don't know. This is fully underhand. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with it, but uh, what one thing about going to an NFL game in 2021 if Mm. the home team isn't very good people are more than happy to sell their tickets and they mostly get sold to fans of the visiting team so you end up with a stadium that's about 10 percent rooting for the Chiefs in this case uh, and then you get Mm. the occasional fight in the stands and eagles fans chanting a hole a hole at chiefs fans as they get thrown out which happened three separate times uh, up on the 600 Mm -hmm. level within my view so uh i I think that that's one one minor uh concern with with the way that uh how easy it is to get rid of your tickets these days uh, online you end up with these stadiums where uh the home fans uh have a lot of competition from the visiting fans
0: well that is one more they Charge a lot more for tickets. That's true. So uh, now, the, the, remember those the twenty year waiting lines, uh, right. waiting lists for tickets for you know Jets, Giants, Reds, whatever that team <laughs> name was. Um, yeah, those literally for the Giants and Jets, those disappeared overnight. With the personal seat licenses for the new stadium, so twenty years worth of people are dying to get into that stadium. They want to go. They want to go. And then it turns out like a fifty-yard line seat, eighth row, which was like eighty-five bucks, and then it's going to be seven hundred dollars the first year of the MetLife Stadium, and like per game. And then you also have to pay for the two preseason games, of course. Yep. And also you're going to pay about a twenty thousand dollar personal seat license for the privilege of paying seven hundred dollars for a seat that you paid eighty-five dollars the year before <laughs> in a stadium whose bowl it's itself is actually the same as the previous one i mean there's twice the square footage with all the bells and whistles behind but if you're sitting there in the eighth row near the 50 yard line watching the game it was the same in either stadium and apparently like that kind of 800 percent uh you know bump up that was a little bit too much for the entire waiting list
1: all right i think i think you might have uh, out get off my lawn to me there yeah, yeah i working on it you got okay. me revved up i got all right decided. good Good. That bodes well for the rest of this show, I think. Um, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 163 of Gamble on. If you missed any of our previous 162 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please take a moment and give us a five-star rating if you haven't already, so we don't have to go all get off my lawn on you also.
0: Yeah, we'll do it too, Eric. You know we'll do it. (laughs) That's right. uh, Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague Chris Altruda in a rare in-person gambling interview, or or at least partially in person, as Chris and I have spent a good chunk of the week together at the G2E conference in Las Vegas. Uh, So we'll get Chris's thoughts on attending his first G2E, actually, or Global Gaming Expo, if you prefer, and some of the innovations he's seen. But first, it's been, you know, for me at least, a crazy busy week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the
1: world of gambling. As John just mentioned, it is G2E week, so let's start the news segment there. The biggest annual American gaming conference took place in Las Vegas from Monday through Wednesday after having to go virtual in 2020. There were panels and keynote speakers and a giant expo floor, and John has been out there since Sunday covering it all. He wrote about what some top Nevada politicians had to say, problem gambling, the relationship between sports betting and sports teams, and more. So John, I'll just hand it over to you. Give me a couple of highlights of the trip. Tell me what things you saw or heard that you expect will really resonate for the industry going forward. And most importantly, tell me how badly I was missed at this year's conference.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll start with what everybody asked me about wherever I've been, whether it was my trip to the two casinos in Connecticut on Thursday, a social media from Manhattan two weeks ago, and this what's the deal with masks that's what everyone wants to know so uh, everyone who wanted to who attend g2e this year had a proof of vaccination and the casinos masks have to be worn everywhere except when eating and drinking which admittedly in casinos is a large portion of the time that's kind of why you go to vegas but uh nonetheless uh, you know look we're all stumbling through this together i mean my first panel on monday featured three speakers who all wore their masks the entire time even though they were seated 10 feet apart um you know definitely vaccinated nowhere near each other well ventilated casinos compared to most places kind of makes me go hmm uh, plus sometimes it was difficult to understand what the mass marvels were saying but second panel guess what no mess third panel hmm. mask except when speaking so a middle ground uh, it was kind of like that for 3 days so all over the place you've seen eric how massive this expo center out there is uh with a dizzying yeah. array of bright lights and bells and whistles and but in some sections this year actually saw barren floors you know it's an after effect of big companies canceling their trips especially europeans and asians who in many cases couldn't get to the u.s at this point uh, so that was you know mildly disconcerting and, and i say mildly because there was still plenty of tech innovation that went completely over my head so that was reassuring <laughs> and casino floors themselves were buzzing all week i noticed um so we're getting there I, i'd say you know oh now the last question yeah so let's see i think your name came up maybe once and was so inco- inconsequential. I don't even remember the context. <laughs> but you got to realize: Altruda, Brennan, Rybaltowsky, Dorson, Sealy—a lot of firepower for U.S. bets and sports handle out there to mingle with.
1: That's true. That's true. I, if, if I guess I should be happy to have gotten a, a mention of any kind at all. I, I should, I should yeah, take exactly. what I can get.
0: Yeah, I think probably some others didn't get any. Yeah, so you take what you can get.
1: <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I was curious about uh, the, just how, how crowded it was. And, you know, I, I guess we'll talk more with Chris Altruda about uh, the atmosphere and, and uh, you know, how different from a quote unquote normal G2E this was. But that that was one thing that I was just wondering. I, you know, I, I know some people pulled out like me, uh, some exhibitors pulled out. So I, I was wondering if the floor itself was less crowded than normal but it sounds more like there just were big parts of the floor that weren't really in use is that what you're saying or was it also kind of less crowded
0: yeah, I think it. I think it looked quite impressive. If you haven't been here before, um, and you're thinking, well, there's so much here that it's wall to wall. Okay, got a little bit of breathing room here to get over to like the, you know, the second section. Um, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't be uh, that unimpressive, I don't think. And frankly, I was still impressed. Uh, it's pretty good. There was good traffic there. I mean, look, it's kind of self-selecting, right? Everybody who's there wants to be there. They feel safe being there. Um, they want to have a good time. So you know, the people who are there are not being you know super cautious because they are already comfortable having been vaccinated and you know their family situations and their own personal health and whatever else so so the group that was there was pretty into it and uh yeah it it was uh it was it was lively i mean again it's not 100 percent vegas but it's uh It's a it's a pretty good imitation. If you're visiting, you know, as a tourist and you want to have a great time, there's plenty of, you know, the usual nonsense
1: going on. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, As far as some of the subject matter that was covered in in the panels, there's one thing that I wanted to hit on, having read your article on responsible gambling, which just ran on Sports Handle Thursday morning. I found that very interesting. And I think it's really encouraging to see the industry talking so openly about this topic. I think we keep making gradual progress on that front. Uh, But the the thing that really stood out was um, Matthew Tom, a psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School, said safer gambling to him means bankroll management, and I couldn't agree more. I think bankroll management is the most important thing you can learn, like implementing stop losses, knowing what percentage of your gambling bankroll is right to risk in a single session, and most importantly, separating your gambling bankroll from your life bankroll. Um, and, and that's something that's actually much easier to do online where your bankroll on a site stays in that site's wallet. You can keep it separate from the money you use to pay your bills. But uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff in that article. I, I recommend people check it out if they haven't already.
0: Thanks. And it will warm your heart too, Eric to know that uh, Tom actually talked about how uh, that's in the back of any good poker book is talking Mm -hmm. about the bankroll management. He said, so you learn it there, if you're going to be a poker player, but um, otherwise not so much. And the other part I liked about that is that it's really true that I hadn't thought about it so much, but anything about responsible gambling is always about you're always thinking it's a compulsive gambler who's on the edge and desperately needs help. And, you know, I guess the reason we only think about that is that it's so critical and families, you know, their futures are at stake. And so, you know, that's, that's got to be front and center of everything you talk about. uh, But there's also is that responsible gambling thing where it is possible to do that. It's not like uh, you you can't, no one can gamble. Otherwise they're in deep trouble. Like, no, most people can gamble and they're not going to gamble all that much and they're fine. So I think that that that's a great point to make. That I think the industry is finally getting their head around. It's like, look, there's two different things here. of gambling is very important. We're not questioning that. We're not giving that a backseat at all. But let's get into this responsible gambling, teaching people how to. Be able to gamble. That's what they're talking about. Early education, too. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a panel on Wednesday where the talk was about you know college athletes, obviously, and what they might do when they get orientation freshman year. You know, if they're big football, basketball players, and what to look out for. And you know, there was a feeling of, but is that too late? I mean, in fact, and that's just the athletes, pretty much. You know, maybe high school students need to know about this. That it's going to be out there, especially now. Nowadays, they're they're getting bombarded with ads when they watch any sporting events. So maybe they need to learn. You know, what do you do? with this? I mean, it, it can be fun, you know, no question, but it also can be dangerous. So, you know, kind of figure out what's what's the balance there. Yeah. So I think earlier education would be great too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. B- bottom line, I think the, the education needs to keep up with the expansion. That's that's what we're finding you know, because the yeah. expansion is happening fast. So it's just, can the education mm-hmm. keep up with it? Um, all right. Our, our second subject uh, spins off of G2E. There was something that happened there that you wrote about for NJOnlineGambling.com three Atlantic City casino workers flew to Vegas for a press conference during G2E to address the topic of smoking in casinos with all of them, uh, as well as Cynthia Hallett, the CEO of Americans for Non-Smokers' Rights, speaking out in favor of banning cigarettes in casinos. It's a contentious issue in New Jersey and some politicians are getting in the way of a potential ban. And of course, it's a topic of conversation in Nevada as well. And this group is hoping to convince Nevada casino workers to rise up and push for a smoking ban there also. Uh, There were some powerful quotes in your piece, John, including Borgata dealer Nicole Vitola saying, little did I know when I started that with the game of chance I was playing with my customers, I was also playing with my health. When I think of the blatant disregard for health, I am doing this not just for my health, but for employees who are afraid to lose their jobs. Uh, John, what what did you think of the case this group made? And do you see anything changing anytime soon, either in Atlantic City or in Las Vegas?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of different things here. One, yeah, this was a very well planned event, I must say. You know, all three Atlantic City casino employees who made this trip to Las Vegas, they have at least 20 years on the job, right? And each has several kids and one even has grandchildren. And pretty much they've been doing this since they were, you know, 21, 22 years old. This is their life's passion. And they put up with this for a long time. And now they're seeing a window where they may not have to. So whatever one thinks is the issue, the direct comments from each about their families and their health concerns, you know, has to make one stand up and take notice. Um, the only time I got to spend, or even okay, wanted to spend on the casino floors this week was cutting through them to get to my next destination. But even I noticed the smoke, and it can be a little jarring. I mean, I remember taking a few flights in the late 1980s before smoking was banned. You know, that little curtain that effectively separates the bourgeoisie and economy from the the swells and the hoi polloi and first class, you know, that works pretty well. Actually, you kind of know your place. Uh, It didn't work so well in separating the smoking and non-smoking sections. The smoke was really kind of uncooperative, I recall. Um, But even so, the road forward remains a steep, uh, steep one in in both uh, New Jersey and Nevada. So in Nevada, unemployment reigns high, relatively speaking, and around the country due to a lack of that European and Asian tourism. Right. So banning smoking casinos clearly would dampen That recovery let's be honest so that's a challenge. Atlantic City has a little bit of a different challenge. The issue is State Senate President Steve Sweeney, sort of. Now, he is resisting those pleas to, to ban it, but, you know, he has he a very real concern in that any moves that could cause visitation to drop in Atlantic City could lead to more than one casino bankruptcy, and, you know, the course of five such sites like that having gone bankrupt in the past decade, that in each case it left thousands of workers unemployed, you know, that risk can't be ignored any more than the real to, you know, tails are concerned by those three workers. So, you know, look, if I had to guess, I think by this point, any loss of smokers could be fully offset by just as many new customers, particularly mm-hmm. younger ones who don't smoke uh you know coming in the problem is there's something else most of those that new customer base doesn't do you know gamble so you know it's easy for me to guess so oh, it would be okay it's a lot tougher to do when there's potentially so much at stake whichever way this goes so it's it's more complicated in each state than i think uh, you know supporters of the band would like and there's decent reasons for it in each case i think
1: yeah but- i mean i i think that what what we need is some kind of studies and, and hearings to break down from a business perspective, that question of the, are, are the customers that you're going to lose if you ban smoking? Uh, is that going to cost you more than the customers you gain if they know there's no smoking allowed? And uh, from what I read in your piece, uh, Steve Sweeney is blocking such a hearing from even happening in New Jersey. And yeah. and, and and that, I think, is, is sort of the first hurdle here. You know, no one person should really have the power to call the shots like that but we see that at all levels of government that one person can can obstruct certain things so um i'd be curious to see what comes out of you know really digging deep into that because i think that's really obviously from a health standpoint the the, the smoking should be banned it's a question of then is it hurting too much from a business standpoint and I, i think that really needs to be explored so we can hopefully have some answers as to what's actually better or worse for business. I, I I mean, the casino employees made the very good point that smoking is banned in all indoor public spaces everywhere you go, except casinos. Uh, and, and, you know, during the height of the pandemic, we saw that casinos could work around having smoking not allowed and smokers could go to a little outdoor area for their smoke breaks. You know, it, it's doable, uh, even though that's probably not a smoker's first choice, but um, I don't know. I mean, bottom line, what you basically said, there are no easy answers here. Um, If the employees mobilize and and threaten to walk out over the smoking issue, something could change. Uh, You hate to see people have to stick their necks out there like that, but that might be what it takes. Um, I will be curious to see if this spurs some movement in Las Vegas. I think if you have strong voices in the two biggest gambling states speaking up at the same time, you have a chance of enacting change. And uh, again, in your piece, Nicole Vitola said there's strength in numbers. So I think there's definitely something to watch here, but it seems it's uh, it's a tough boulder they're trying to push up a hill.
0: Yeah, well, last thing in New Jersey, just to give the sort of uh, the politics of it, the mm-hmm. way it works is that um, the entire legislature is up for election this year, as, as is the governor. I think that happens like every six years. And so uh, even even a two-year terms in the assembly. So uh, basically, Nothing will happen until election day. Uh, the status quo looks like it's going to hold. The Democrats are going to continue to have as much power as they had before. So then you go into like what they call lame duck session, and thing a lot of things happen there that you don't expect to happen. And the bottom line of it is, is because if there's going to be any backlash, it's going to take right two years. So if if they did uh, change their mind and and go with the ban, then whatever anger and frustration you know ensues from that, uh, there's no political fallout for the. Brave election officials who take this route every every couple of years, uh, and then it, see what happens, right? So maybe they pissed off smokers in casinos for a year and a half. Well, if they don't get pissed off for two full years, they're not going to change their votes, and then it's not going to matter. So I wouldn't rule this out in New Jersey. I'd rule it out for the next four weeks, that's for sure. But <laughs> right. after that, there's a possibility of that going that way. I, I've seen it happen with so many issues, and it's not pretty. But you know, that's what these workers talked about. They didn't know anything about politics, and now they know exactly who Steve Sweeney is. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yep. Interesting. All right. Uh, Our third story this week has nothing to do with G2E, uh, but it does have to do with a state that borders Nevada. Uh, There's news to report on the effort to legalize sports betting in California. As on Tuesday, changes were filed to the proposed ballot initiative called the California Solutions to Homelessness and Mental Health Support Act. Uh, They strengthened the wording to make clear that the online operators, which would have to partner with tribal casinos for access, would be the ones paying the taxes on sports betting, not the tribes. There were some other minor amendments, but this was the main one, making clear that the tribes are having a strong say here and working together with the non-tribal interests to push this initiative. It's becoming increasingly apparent that of the three potential sports betting ballot initiatives in the works, this is the one that the most forces will coalesce behind. John, you've expressed optimism of late that sports betting is likely coming to California in 2023 or so. Does this news strengthen that? Uh, And experts are warning that if multiple betting initiatives make it to the ballot, it makes it more likely that none of them will pass. Is that how you see it?
0: Yeah, no, I don't understand the reasoning at all. I mean, why choose just one? If you want sports betting and you live in California, you vote for all of them to, you know, increase your odds of winning, All right. I mean, maybe I can get odds on a trifecta of all three uh, ballot <laughs> initiatives going forward. I mean, if you really wanted to have sports betting and you see oh, everybody gets a piece of the action, maybe maybe you love that one the most, but then it's like all the other alternative areas is only the tribes are involved. Well, if you want to bet, you're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll settle for that. And I don't really see, you know, the 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 difference there. But and honestly, as much as California and all states, you know, they need to better address the these issues, obviously, with homeless people and with those who need major mental health support. I'm a little squeamish about feeling as if real troubled people seem to be getting used to advance something relatively meaningless like a gambling referendum. You know, there's no guarantee, I don't think, that the state couldn't just dial back its previous funding on those issues now. You know, when betting uh, would provide so much money there, you know, we we're doing a billion a year, but now 600 a year is going you know, directly from the, the betting campaign. So why stick with a billion? We only can give 400 million and we still get to the same billion. So we're even and now we got free money to spend somewhere else, in which case, guess what? This wasn't about the homelessness and mental health at all.
1: Right. Yeah, we we kind of touched on that when we first heard the name of this and uh yeah, it's uh, having it s- set in for a, a few weeks uh, has not made it feel any less tasteless. Um but it does seem like, you know, if there is going to be only one sports betting initiative on the 2022 ballot, uh, th- it's going to be this one that this one has all the momentum. Um I'm sure this will still go through a few more tweaks between now and then, but it-, it has widespread enough support from the power players in the industry that I think this is going Going to make it on the ballot, and, and mobile betting then is going to come to California in some form in a couple of years. Uh, they need almost yeah. a million signatures, uh, and the online operators have put up a hundred million dollars to get that done. So uh, it sounds like a lot of money to me. Sounds like it will get done. Um, and then the, the card rooms are the ones who uh, wouldn't be getting what they want with, if this is the only one on the ballot. Um, I'm I'm curious if mobile sports betting comes to California. Will the other verticals, online poker, online casino, will they soon follow? Um, certainly, with online poker, California remains the key state to creating enough interstate liquidity for oh, there yeah. actually to be a second online poker boom. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a bit off topic, but eventually attention will turn to California online poker and and California online casino. And if that gets legalized, that's when Nevada might actually feel the sting. Uh, kind of a topic for another day, I suppose. But yeah. uh, that's, that's a big one if California ever legalizes online casino.
0: California is so big that they can actually say to the other states, listen, we're huge. We, we're, we are liquid, OK? We are liquid. You guys all together, you band together. Cute enough states, but, you know, really. And so then they might be able to to have some kind of like a, uh, you know, almost like a tariff on these states. Like you're dying to get in with us. We all know that because it's going to boom in your state if you get us. We have the numbers. And so it'll be interesting if that goes through, if California, you know, kind of flexes the muscle they have on an issue like this, because they certainly can do it.
1: Yeah. Although I guess we, we we would be we are getting a little ahead of ourselves. They don't even have yes. sports betting on the ballot yet, but uh, it all seems to be <laughs> heading coming. in that direction. It's coming.
0: Yeah. I'm often right. a, a you know, negative Nelly on some of these, but California's getting sports <laughs> betting in 2 years.
1: All right, there it is. John Brennan has declared it to be so. It shall be <laughs> so. It's time to
0: welcome a special guest from the world of gambling.
1: Let's get to the on interview. As John and I discussed earlier on the podcast, G2E has the attention of the gambling world this week. You've heard John's perspective from Las Vegas. Now let's hear from someone else who's been covering the panels, the exhibition floor, and of course hitting all the hottest clubs in town, our friend and colleague, Chris Altruda. Chris, thanks for joining us once again on Gamble On. Hey, happy to be here. (laughs) Um, So it's your first time at G2E, Chris. Uh, In terms of the atmosphere, the people, the sights and sounds, what stands out to you any big surprises in terms of how it looks and feels i think the first thing
2: that kind of threw me a little bit on um, we got i got here monday night and tuesday morning and i don't think i still know all of the rules regarding how you like maneuver and navigate around the place but i went into the exhibit hall at like eight thirty tuesday morning not realizing you know there was like an official opening because I went back at like 9.50, like ready to walk right in. She's like, no, it opens at 10. And I'm like, I was in there an hour ago. <laughs> so I think one of the other things you notice, and I think it's more of a people thing as opposed to an expo thing, is that you're, for lack of a better term, you're, you're being a human being at full speed in a large setting for the first time in, you know, 18 months. Yeah. And it's equal parts exciting, entertaining but also a little draining because you 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 don't remember how to budget your energy huh. and that was something i've noticed each of the last two days i've been here like by the end of each day i have been flagging
1: hmm.
2: but like yeah, not not nodding off during a session but you kind of <laughs> feel it
1: Right. It, if I were there, I actually probably would be nodding off during a second uh, session due to, due to my low grade narcolepsy. But um, the, I, I'm just curious about the you know, you've never been to a G2E in pre-COVID times, so you can't exactly compare it. But I'm just curious, does the does the COVID of it all seem to have put much of a damper on it or people are just so excited to be out with other people that it, that it isn't really putting a damper on it?
2: I think it's more of the second. I also think that because this industry is so forward and so reliant on people, that you know, people that have to spend money in order for this industry to make money, I think there's an easier acceptance of COVID protocols. And I think also because we've been so in in tune to them that it's just pretty much you know it's ritual habit at this point. You you, you, yeah, put your mask on. Yeah, you walk around with it. Yeah, you just go about your day so I, don't, I mean it's it may be harder to be gauge the, the enthusiasm behind the mask because right. you're about 100 percent sure but i also think people here you know you're, you're going and you're you're moving around you you're doing you as best you can and
0: that's what it looks like right now right you know eric and chris i should mention that we're at the uh the media room in the Venetian, uh, powered by DraftKings. So that's
1: uh, <laughs> there. You go. Probably, <laughs> Get in there. Plug. In the yes. Probably all yeah. my free
0: plugs. So, uh, <laughs> Chris, I want to ask you about you know wandering around the giant exhibition hall. There's so many different things there. Is there any like favorite booth that stood out to you that you really were you know it uh, was unexpected or or just a, a nice twist on, on something that we already had or? I think one
2: of the thing one of the things that stood out to me, and I you know I've only been with the company for two years now, and you know you you know, we, we do sports betting, we, we do sports betting, we do sports betting, we do sports betting. You di- I didn't grasp the concept of gaming and where sports betting is in the pecking order yeah. of gaming here. Mm. But you see, you see like, you know, Sport Radar has a booth. You see Genius Sports has, has a booth. All, you know, IGT has a booth, but IGT also covers more than sports betting. It has video slots and things of that nature. But you also don't, Realize until you walk through the exhibit hall just how powerful the allure of video slots are, because everyone has one. Like every company has some sort of monstrous, multi-thousand square foot display of the new season of games and things like that. And while sports betting is there, like Cambie, you know Cambie has a booth and everything, but at the same time, it's dwarfed by that presence. And, you know, especially in Vegas, when it's just you know an, an auditory and visual assault on your senses, and it just like it really like kind of registers a little harder now, seeing that for the first
0: time. Yeah, well, Chris, you missed out a little bit because uh, two years ago, Chubby Checker was here as one of the uh, sort of the <laughs> greeters to lure people toward a booth of a certain age, I suppose, but well, not much older than me, but uh, yeah. I didn't quite go for it but it was interesting. So uh yeah I think the uh the celebrity uh, levels are down this year unfortunately but uh, they'll be back next year. Maybe Mr. Checker as well.
1: <laughs> I I must have missed Chubby Checker 2 years ago. I I don't I don't remember that. I, I do remember seeing Jeopardy James uh, in person. That was about the biggest celebrity I remember spying. Has he been seen yet this year? No, I haven't no. seen I no. so. All right. So I'm curious, uh, Chris, about what you're seeing in terms of some of the new technology on display. You mentioned all, all the video slots. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff related to to that. What are you seeing in terms of trends with regard to the tech? Either Either something that feels like the wave of the future or something you're seeing so many booths hitting on and people dabbling in that it feels like not so much the wave of the future, maybe even like the wave of the present because it's everywhere there this year. I
2: think think it's going to be something that is in the future. IGT has something called a Crystal Flex, which is an all-in-one gaming position that now includes the capacity to do live sports betting in addition to the video poker and it's like you can you can essentially multitask your gambling with this mm. thing and i was talking to chris quant at igt and he had mentioned that they were essentially beta testing it in mississippi and they had 16 years they originally had like eight units up they had 14 units and they are getting a very positive response down there and they're going to start expanding the rollout into more states mm. and one of the things i forgot to ask and it's something that winds up being curious is what is the churn rate of transaction for each game that you're playing and somebody else also brought up a really good question is there going to be a time limit to how long you can be at that machine
1: Hmm.
2: because because you have sporting events as opposed to just you know gambling you know hitting the button you know 61 times in a minute right so yeah, you wouldn't want
0: to be stuck that you're, you're waiting for it to get to a machine at the games in the second quarter, right. and they're live betting it. Uh, yeah, you might not get there for an hour and a half. A good point. So, so, so wait, that,
1: so to clarify, these are, you're talking about like an in-casino machine yeah. rather than like a, a phone app, although are they working? Yes, yeah, so it,
2: it's, it's, it's an in-casino. It's, it's essentially you're avoiding the line at the retail sportsbook to do. It's like, a, I guess it would be like a different version
1: of a self-serve kiosk. Right, OK. But that also has the casino games right. there um, as well. Right there, so right there, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, what you said, I'd be very curious about the sort of the, the stats on the churn and what sort of games people are bouncing back and forth between, and, and ultimately, how much time are you spending playing a video slot while you're on the sports wagering machine and, and so forth. It, yeah, right. if that if, if that is the wave of the future, uh, I, I can see uh, that receiving somewhat mixed reviews if, in terms of, uh, you know, convenience for players, but uh, perhaps encouraging some some problem issues. Well, I think I think one of the things that that might be a machine that
2: plays well to states that don't have mobile, like Mississippi and Arkansas, those, mm. those are states where that could actually probably play well because you don't mm-hmm. have that mobile component. Unless you're avoiding the lines and, you know, depending on what your gaming position number is, you put those machines in there now you have the potential to increase your revenue somehow while not expanding your, your gaming space per se.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Chris, can you think of anything else you saw, whether it's, uh, I'm sure there were video game gambling machines, uh, historical horse racing, um, you know, kind of new waves of slots. There's, uh, you know, all kinds Mm -hmm. of different things. Anything else that kind of caught your eye that especially one that might be kind of a, either a long shot or something that you, you never even imagined that was out there and here they are trying to sell it.
2: I think one of, the fun, one of the funny things is that the innovation lab, it is someone, you know, coming from just pure sports writing to see people pitching their ideas and also like in real time trying to figure out the feasibility of it as he's making this 20 minute presentation that, you know, in some respects, you know, puts, di- puts dinner on his plate. And there's also just the sense that as you're watching it, whether or not you can determine its feasibility as an example yesterday someone was trying to promote a sports poker in that you have a cert you have a certain there are like five subsets one was essentially like a draft poker where you do it based on a drive and certain events you get cars and things like that of that nature and i was sitting there like going I the, the concept was that the hand you hold the hand and because no one knows the value of the hand as the live event is going on you're playing the hand against other people
1: mm.
2: which was interesting and they, he tried to explain it for a bracketology purpose for mm. college sports and i was just sitting there like this will not work because it's contingent on someone making a bet because there was no starter position like in poker like in actual poker and the fact that there was no starter position <laughs> led me to believe, well, you know, if you have this and you have a game on and, you know, one of your teams is involved, why are you going to, you know, why are you going to bother? I wouldn't say bother is not the right word, but if you're playing against someone, it's over days as opposed to like an hour. I just don't see that one. So it's interesting to watch people present things and also try and figure out, does it work? Does it not work? How could it work? And then of course at the end you know and it'd be really nice if you like funded us and gave us money to promote this idea further yeah that's what makes <laughs> those so brutal is that
0: this is like the sales pitch of a lifetime you're at the yeah. biggest event in the u.s you got a slot which is great you sort of already won the lottery and then you're going to lay it out there and then as soon as it's over right some guy you know a funding guy comes over and says hey listen we got to talk or no one sure. Yeah. Nothing but crickets. It's it's, it's kind of brutal. Uh, it's almost tough to watch in real time.
2: And I think I think one of the other things, and again, this goes back to being really somewhat naive beyond the immediate scope of sports betting. It's things like processing payments, you know, things along those along those lines. The the back end technology of it that I know practically next to nothing about. It. Seeing some of that and understanding how it. Coexist with other things. Like there was one banking system that was actively promoting itself to the impending start of single game betting in Canada, and you know being that banking thing, he was explaining the regulations how they were a little different, but also what they do in terms of and, and for Canada specifically. It was now. The, the, what they hope to be is a drastic reduction of the gray area of gaming there with the launch of single-game betting.
1: Interesting stuff. Lots going on there. Well, the last thing, uh, real quick, I, I know uh, you and the rest of the U.S. Bets party animals have been going out after the workday is done. Any crazy stories you can share about uh, John dancing shirtless on tables or anything like that?
2: Uh, no, but Mike, our, our cohort, Mike Sealy. I, I am convinced in a prior life could have drank all of us under the table doing <laughs> laps. He, he is a um, he is a pro grade party man. Wow, it, okay. it, was, it was it was kind of, it was kind of fun. It, and he was also actually so far one of the funnier things is that you know for being in sports betting, I've yet to place a wager here. Hmm. And, yeah, me too. And you know, Mike Mike called us. He goes, I got money on the Red Sox, and I'm like, he's <laughs> it, it, like it's like really demanding our presence to yeah. to make sure he doesn't lose his mind, and you know wound up losing his mind during during the course of the game so yeah i think i think mike like instantly like elevated himself to almost like there's going to be like a near mythical status at some point because we all (laughs) went out last night after the red sox game that we'll we'll spend the next month or so trying to lay, trying to elevate to actual mythical status with them. Yeah,
0: I, I, I gotta <laughs> say, I have always considered myself above the concept of jet lag. I just mm-hmm. think it's ridiculous. Whatever your time zone is, it is. And well, I know, Sunday after a twelve-hour door-to-door uh, journey here to Las Vegas, uh, I watched the second half of the the uh, the Brady Bowl, the Belichick Bowl, right. uh, in in the hotel at the bar, so seven p.m. You know, local time. There's six other people in the bar and I'm the only one watching the game and I didn't have the energy to go next door to Aria or Cosmopolitan <laughs> and maybe be among, you know, the living. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of took me out, but I, I rebound a little bit the next few nights. Okay, good. Can I also <laughs> like just give, give a shout out to our like corporate overlords or whoever, whoever. <laughs> sure,
2: that, book, that's always booking, permitted. Yeah. Booking of Vidara because, you know, I got in at about 1130 on Monday night and whoever was behind the desk was gamely trying to figure out the confirmation number and all that stuff. And I had no idea what was going on and they might have overbooked. I don't I don't know how hotels do it. It's like, you know, that like the reservation from Seinfeld bit. And <laughs> she finally comes back with everything. And she goes, well, she goes, well, you have a hospitality suite. And, I, and I'm you know, that I, I couldn't tell you what that meant, you know, as opposed to, you know, giving me a, you know, a 200 square foot room with a cockroach. I don't know. and. <laughs> So our other cohort, Jill Dorson, was with me, you know, and so we were like, okay, yeah, it's a hospitality suite. What does it look like? So we opened it up, and, you know, John joked about this in the elevator the other night because apparently I, I won high floor being on the 48th. Yeah. and
0: by, I By five over me, they must say.
2: I, <laughs> I have what I have jokingly told my friends. I have a drug kingpin suite.
0: Nice. Had,
2: it is a two-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath full kitchen in unit washer like it's like four wow. times the size of my apartment I, I joke about it. I said I'm never leaving I'm not going back to Chicago I'm just going to hide here until they kick me out and it was just like it was just like completely like mind-blowing so you know to our to our esteemed you know logistics crew whether it's you know better collective or somebody in the states or in Europe or wherever it is I, I thank you. I salute you. You're getting a wonderful Christmas card for me. For me. <laughs> got a, you got a,
0: got a fan in the company somewhere. Cause, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just got a regular room. A room.
1: <laughs> did the suite come with its own mountain of cocaine, or is it B Y O mountain? I, I, of you know, I was, I was, really,
0: it,
2: I, was really <laughs> I did look around a little bit because I do, I do have a nice view of Allegiant Stadium to like overlook as you know, I could put it on a table and done it. But unfortunately, no, no illicit drugs as of yet. That's okay, <laughs> as of yet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> operative
1: words. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we won't take up any more of your time because that's time that could be spent hanging out in the gigantic suite. So we'll let you get back to that. <laughs> but uh, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again, Chris. Always good talking to you.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Chris.
0: Two men. Two
1: men.
0: $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll.
1: We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll, and all I can say is, John, uh, we have fallen upon dark days. Uh, It's been a lousy week for our bankroll, probably the worst we've ever had, just in terms of the amount of Monopoly money we lost. Uh, Let's start with our new bets from last week. You broke even on these. Uh, You won $100 with Cincinnati over Notre Dame. You lost $100 with the Blue Jays against the Yankees. That's a wash. I went over two on my bets. I was way off on Tom Brady to throw three or more touchdowns. I wouldn't have made the bet if I'd known he was going to be playing in heavy rain. But uh, I didn't even come close enough to really warrant complaining as he threw zero touchdown passes. Um, and uh, then I had my teaser. Four of the five teams that I picked covered. I asked you to remove one, John, and you you removed the wrong one. So I blame you uh, for this mm. loss. <laughs> I, kid, okay. I kid, I kid, I <laughs> kid. Uh, but yeah, it was it was Tennessee against the Jets was the one that uh, that blew that for us. The other four did hit, but uh, my two bets combined to cost us one hundred fifty five dollars. If that was the whole story of our week, no big deal. Unfortunately, our MLB season-long bets went poorly. Uh, As noted last week, your bet on Trey Turner to win the stolen base title did okay, but not well enough. We lost $50 on that, and we lost $224 on your Cubs bet relative to the White Sox. Your Dodgers under sure looked like a winner a month or two ago, but they remained torrid to the finish, winning 47 of their final 57 to go over by two and a half games. Uh, We dropped $110 on that. Then the real heartbreaker, those lousy Pittsburgh Pirates, we had under 60 and a half wins, and they (sighs) finished with 61 wins. Painful. We were one loss away from adding $200 to our bankroll, but instead we lost $236. A four hundred thirty-six dollar swing against us. Uh, our only season-long bet that won was the Bryce Harper homers under. We won that with a couple to spare, earning us a hundred fifty dollar profit. John, anything you want to comment on before I add it all up?
0: Uh, Reds led the Pirates five nothing in the fifth inning of game 161 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Tyler, you've got Mel, was touched for six runs all of a sudden. He's a pretty good pitcher. I don't know what happened. Uh, that's all she wrote. And I'm just pretending the rest uh, never happened itself.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Pirates had a few of those games this year <laughs> that they, uh, Seemed that they ra- rallied late in a game where, from my perspective as someone who bet against them, I'm like, why are you trying? Why do you care? But uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, they're all fighting for their individual stats and trying to put up runs. I guess uh, all in all, we lost uh, $615 on the week, putting us back around our all time low down $1,472. We did take a big bite out of what was on hold in futures bets. That figure is now an even $900. That leaves us $7,628 available to bet with this week as we try to start reversing our momentum. And I'm up first, and uh, I'm taking a week off from football bets. Uh, I'll do my fast five picks, of course, but uh, I I need a breather on NFL bets with our bankroll. So I'll go in a very different direction. DraftKings has a Ben Simmons special in Pennsylvania inspired by the great Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, the only 76ers podcast worth your time. Uh they have a special on whether Ben Simmons will make his first free throw this coming season, whatever uniform he's wearing. Uh he's minus 145 to make it, plus 125 to miss it. And come on, I'm I'm, I'm a Sixers fan. Uh I don't like to attack athletes, but uh, for a baby like Ben Simmons, I make exceptions. I want the pure joy of rooting for him to miss his first free throw. So I'm taking the plus 125. Now, is that actually the right side? Um, He shot between 60 and 62 percent from the line each of the last three seasons. So based on that, plus 125 to miss isn't quite enough. But in last year's playoffs, he shot. 34.2% from the line he was mentally broken and if I know Ben Simmons I'd guess he hasn't seen a sports psychologist and addressed his problems and tried to get better so he might step up to the line and get extra tight for the first free throw he has to shoot next year probably not for the Sixers but If it does happen to be as a sixer, he'll be even tighter, I would think. So uh, let's place a small bet since I'm not sure we're on the right side of the math here. Just 60 bucks to win 75 that whenever he suits up for someone and goes to the line, he misses his first shot. All
0: right well uh, contrary to you I'm going to double up on football college football okay First okay. uh, Michigan minus3 at Nebraska which is more paper tiger than cornhusker. I'd have given anything under seven here with the Wolverines whose predecessor shortcomings seem to be the pressing the line on this 2021 version which is actually pretty good 110 to win 100 there.
1: All right, cool. Um, for my second bet, uh, I'll go to boxing. And there's a big heavyweight championship fight this Saturday Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, three. But I'm not loving any bets on that fight. Uh, the pricing is tough. So instead, I'll look at the undercard, where in a battle of unbeaten up and coming heavyweights, Frank Sanchez is minus 182 to beat F.A. Ajagba. I think Sanchez is safer than that. I've seen. Enough of these fights over the years to know superior skills and experience usually beat pure raw power. I think the price on the superior boxer Sanchez here is pretty good. I'm keeping my bet size modest uh, because of the price you have to lay. Let's just bet uh, $91 to win 50 on Frank Sanchez.
0: All right. Sounds good. And uh, I've got uh, another 110 to win 100 here. all um, Miss versus Arkansas, minus six and a half, kind of a step down in class. You talk about like in horse racing where uh, these two lost to Alabama and Georgia last week. So they had a little bit of a break and play in playing each other. Uh, but here I think all Miss scores early and often they're a little less, uh, I think, rattled by their, their result last week.
1: Okay, and we're I know nothing about either team, but we're on the right side of the seven point hook there. So I like that part. Um, And we finished the show with the fast five where John's three and two streak is over barely as he went two and three. Which was still good enough to beat me last week. Uh, we split our two head-to-heads. Uh, I won with Green Bay over Pittsburgh. John won with Arizona over the Rams. Uh, but I went 0 and 3 on my other picks. Uh, again, the rain in New England wasn't great for me, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater's concussion was a bit of bad luck too. But I might have lost both of those regardless. Uh, John went one and two in his other three bets, getting the Panthers and Niners wrong, but the Colts over Dolphins pick right. So, uh, John, you're 11 and nine through four weeks, and I have the reverse record, nine and 11. And I'm up first this week. And I'm putting my faith in a couple of bad teams this week. Let's see how that goes. Uh, We're starting with one of those bad teams. I like the Jets getting three points in London against the Falcons. The Falcons aren't really a home team. I think the talent levels here are close and you have quarterbacks going in different directions. Matt Ryan getting worse all the time. Zach Wilson starting to figure it out and build confidence. Your offensive rookie of the year bet might even not be dead uh, after all, as it looked after that four (laughs) interception game. He might, he might be ready to rally. Uh, Anyway, you're giving me three points with the Jets in what looks to me like a pick'em game. I'll take it next up we've reached the point in the Eagles season where I don't mind going against them. We re- we reached that point kind of earlier than I might've expected, but, um, I'm shocked that the Panthers are only three and a half point favorites at home, especially with the Eagles having to worry about a short week coming up, a game against Tampa Bay on Thursday, the Panthers might get McCaffrey back, but I don't even think they need to. They'll cover this spread. The Eagles will commit a couple of crucial dumb penalties to clinch it. I'll take Carolina (laughs) minus three and a half. Um, Now here comes my most uncomfortable pick of them all. I'm taking the Jaguars plus four and a half at home against a banged up Titans team. The Jags have had a long week to prepare. Uh, Like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence is starting to put it together a bit. And the Urban Meyer mess, it might just bring them together as this team bears down and they fight their asses off to not be the last remaining winless team. Um, I don't know if it'll work, but I think they can at least keep it close. Um, and the Jags are six and three against the spread at home against the Titans the last nine years. And that's a pretty random stat I realize, but it supports my pick. So I'm sharing it going with the Jags here. Um, and I'll finish with two favorites. Uh, you favorite team to pick, or at least one of your favorite teams to pick. uh, It seems the Vegas Raiders home against the bears favored by five and a half. I think the Raiders will be focused and fired up at home after losing to the chargers last week. And I like betting against an erratic rookie quarterback in Justin Fields, who unlike Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence hasn't started all four games so far and hasn't had as much time to shake off those rookie nerves. This feels like another one of those rookie disaster games. He won't have David Montgomery to dump it off to, I'll take the Raiders to win by at least six. Uh, And lastly, I'm a chargers believer, or at least I'm I'm a Justin Herbert believer and a coach Brandon Staley believer. Uh, We do have them at 40 to one to win the super bowl. Uh, I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but I I do like those odds. And I just think they're a better team than the Browns. uh, And I think they should be like minus two and a half at home, but they're only minus one and a half Uh, Baker Mayfield. I know it's his non-throwing shoulder that's hurt, but it seems to be causing him problems. if he's performing poorly, like he did last week against Minnesota, I don't think the Browns can quite keep pace with LA on the road. So give me the chargers with my fifth and final pick.
0: All right. So your Bridgewater's concussion is duly noted. Um, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's calf injury has kept him off the field. In the second half Sunday uh, for me uh, gets passed over. That's interesting, but okay. I'm not bitter. Sorry. Uh, now I've got five different games on you this week. No matches. Okay. Yeah. So I've got uh, Rams minus two and a half over Seahawks who didn't, wouldn't have covered, really, versus the 49ers if grapple had played that second half. Again, I'm not bitter. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Packers minus three at yeah, maybe a little. Okay. Uh, Packers minus three at Bengals. Uh, not only is Aaron Rodgers tough on the road, but the Bengals know they have no business being three and one. Even three and two is going to be rarefied air for the next week after they lose this one. Um, Buccaneers minus ten versus my my least favorite team the Dolphins <laughs> yeah. as Tom Brady shakes off that TD-less game with a much more Brady-esque performance against this bunch. Uh then speaking of Tom Brady a little bit, Patriots minus nine versus Texans, or at Texans, in fact, um, with the home squad, will they score more than 10 points against this defense? No chance. Patriots should eventually topple the spread by the fourth quarter. And finally, Cowboys, minus seven at Giants, who had their Super Bowl win with an OT victory over the kind of so-so Saints last week.
1: All right, so you are uh, very much going against the underdogs, uh, covering at a sixty percent or I so am. rate trend I here. Am. You have five favorites, so uh, possibly yeah. playing with fire, or uh, possibly uh, about to go five and zero and uh, put all those underdog backers in their place,
0: or just some random two and three and three and two again.
1: <laughs> right, could be one of those. Yep. <laughs> all right, well that'll do it for this episode of Gamble on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Chris Altruda. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan, and follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out. One of the
0: striking things for me every year at the G2E exhibit floor is, you know, how many employers there are at every booth ready and eager to talk to potential new clients and some of them seem really good at it and some not so much. And, you know, there's a lot spent in the booth and there, you know, there's a lot of bells and whistles, like I said earlier. And, and if you can get a bunch of clients, you can really make a lot of money, keep the business going, you know, add employees or not. And then, I would say that, you know, all of them, the ones who are good at it, the ones not so much, every last one is better at it than I would be. I got to say, I mean, I'd welcome a visitor warmly and happily explain the product and all of its upsides. And and I wouldn't be able to resist to launching into, well, honestly, it compares okay to where its rivals, but you know I tipped them off. For instance, that my product might be better if you want the most premium product. But really, that rival's cheaper version works just as fine for the average buyer. If that's you, keep that in mind. And of course, there's no pressure to buy. You know, I would say you buy, you don't buy. It's all good. I don't judge. You know, bye bye. <laughs> so uh, it's a it's it's a consolation though that the best salesman would make terrible journalists. Right, sending in one sided copy that would force their bosses to insist on them balancing the story out with another point of view so i think uh, in the end i'm happy with the path i chose and good luck to all those who plied their wares all week at g2e in vegas and with that until next time gamble on